Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Alcina Lloyd, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, we're featuring a crossover episode from Real Trending, which is a podcast that interviews the brightest minds in real estate. In today's episode, Real Trends advisor Steve Murray takes a forward look at the housing market from 2022 to 2024. He also offers input on recent litigation noise and gives brokers insight into this year's Real Trends 500 rankings. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Steve Murray. Today I want to cover three topics. One, the market in 2022 to 2024. Second, consumers and all the litigation noise in our industry. And last, lessons from the 2021 Real Trends 500. So a prominent real estate executive asked recently, what what does the market look like in 2022 out to 2024? I think 2021, I understand. I don't think I understand what may happen in the future. So let me offer a few underlying facts. We're still creating as many households as we're building housing, both multifamily and single family. The problem is that we are looking at a four to five million housing deficit from the 2010 to 2020 period. That is, there were four to five million households formed more than there were houses built for them. And we're seeing the implications of that in today's market. However, while we think this is overheated, remember, please, that in 2020, existing home sales were up 5.6%. That's not earth-shattering. Across the year, that was a fairly good but not astounding result. In 2021, we may see a similar result, 3 to 6% increase in unit sales, which again is not off the charts at all given the number of households we have the continued growth of the population, and now the stimulus provided by the federal government in terms of both COVID aid and employment aid of all kind, almost $4 trillion worth. That's on top of operating deficit at the federal level of at least a trillion dollars in both 2020 and will happen again in 2021. So we have an excess of money being spread through the economy. Jobs are recovering. Unemployment is falling. Housing sales increases should be no surprise to anyone. When we look back, one of the key factors we've studied for 20 years now is the percent of all households that buy a home in a given year. We should have known before the last crash something was about to happen because the long-term average is about 4.6 to 4.7 of all 
households, 46 to 4.7% of all households, on average, buy a home each year when you look at a 40-year average. When we look back at 04, 05, and notice that the percentage was in the mid to high 6% range, we should have known that something was going to happen in terms of a rapid slowdown. Well, we looked at that data for 2020, and while it is a little elevated, not really a lot. It was closer to 49 to 5% when you look at both new and existing home sales last year. So yes, it's elevated a little bit above the 40-year average, but not that much so. So 2022 through 2024, outside of another black swan event like COVID, we should see continued increase in housing sales just based on A, demographics, growing number of millennial and Gen Z families recovering and entering, if not already in their primetime home buying years, B, an increasing share of boomers and traditionals selling their homes and moving into alternative housing, low interest rates, which the chairman of the Fed has told the American population, we're going to do everything we do to keep them low, and an abundance of capital. So we've got a growing economy. We've got growing demographics in favor of home buying and home ownership. We've got low mortgage rates. In essence, all of the factors that can create a very favorable housing sales market look to still be in place in 2022 out to 2024. Again, things can change, especially if we get some out-of-right-field event like we did last year. Shifting to consumers and litigation, one of the main contentions of all the litigation that's been filed by the, against the realtors and against various national housing companies has been or seems to be targeted the fact that consumers are dumb, misinformed, don't know how agents work, don't know how agents are compensated, don't know about their alternatives. And yet all the housing research we've done over the past 20 years at Realtrends through Harris Insights shows time and time again that A, consumers actually are aware, A, they don't have to use an agent to buy or sell a home. There's no law that requires them to use an agent to buy or sell a home. B, that they're aware that there are a multitude of options for them. Different kinds of full service firms, different kinds of flat fee firms, discount firms, for sale by owner opportunities, numerous. And again, market research and consumer research has shown time and time again that consumers are completely aware of the fact there all are alternatives. Next, Consumers are very aware that commissions are negotiable, and frequently consumers negotiate to reduce their commission costs in a transaction. Data in the market proves that. The next key point that many of these lawsuits seem to put forth is that, well, 
if buyers didn't have to pay as much commission that a seller would reduce their price. Well, let's just put this aside for the minute. First of all, every practitioner in this industry, all the experienced people in this industry are completely aware sellers don't change their asking price very often, if at all, based on what their cost to commission or closing costs are. Their price is their price. And all of these litigators who seem to think, well, if, if we can reduce the cost of a buyer agent by a point or a point and a half, that in fact, the seller would reduce their price and therefore reduce the cost of the buyer. They simply don't know what they're talking about. And by the way, we're highly confident that if you looked at all of the actual data about this topic, you would find that that's to be the case. It's just very interesting that for nearly 30 years that we've been doing consulting work and expert testimony on this topic, it continues to be the case of the other side that consumers are dumb, misinformed, blocked from information, that if they only had all the information, they would change their behaviors, they wouldn't pay for the services, and yet all of the evidence in the marketplace itself says otherwise. It'll be interesting to see how this all turns out. Last, lessons from the 2021 Real Trends 500. Well, just focusing on a couple key highlights. The Real Trends 500 from 2010 to 2020 doubled the number of agents. That's an increase of 100% over 10 years, while the Realtor membership count grew right at 38%. So the Realtrends 500 picked up significant market share among the number of agents that are working for a Realtrends 500 firm. Interesting enough, the number of transactions done by the Realtrends 500 was slightly more than double by about six points. So where the agent count grew 100%, the transaction count grew 106%. Well, that's good. It shows a very modest per-person productivity increase. In fact, the productivity increase is so small as to not need further discussion at this time. But here's a key finding, two of them. One, for the past five years, the Real Trends 500 was picking up three-tenths of a point share, 5.5% share. But in 2020 versus 2019, their market share of total transactions grew 3.5%. Seven times the largest year-over-year growth we've ever seen before. And in fact, the market share of the Real Trends 500 grew by 10%. They grew it from 34.5% to almost 38% in one year of all the transactions. So clearly, larger firms are starting to get more market share at a faster pace than ever before. But here's at the root of it all. Think back. Agent count 
doubled. Transaction sides, a little bit more than doubled. What's this mean? Things we've been saying for years. In fact, keys to success in the industry that have been known to leaders of the industry for years. It's still about a broker's ability to recruit and develop great agents and teams that will make the difference between whether they grow or they don't grow. The evidence is overwhelming. So for all broker owners listening in, no matter which way you go, no matter how much money you spend in technology, no matter what you do otherwise, an organization that is focused on recruiting and developing agents and teams is going to be the kind of organization that gains market share, grows, and wins. This has been Steve Murray for Real Trends. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. To stay up to date on the current trends in the industry, subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. That's a wrap for today's episode of Housing Wire Daily. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, and join us again tomorrow.